Hi, my name is Crystal, and I'm a feng shui master, interior designer, and clutter expert. I'm so excited to share with Pearl today. Everybody, it's Pearl, and welcome to another episode of Conversations with Pearl. And I'm so excited to have you with us and joining us today. Whether you're in your car, whether you're at home, whatever you're doing, I appreciate you just sitting back, listening to us, driving safe, or whatever that is. And Enjoy the conversations that we have. And today is no different than any other episode because we are going to have some fun with my guest, Crystal. She is a feng shui master, interior designer, and clutter expert. And you know, she helps soul-driven entrepreneurs transform their relationship with their space. And who who doesn't need to do that? I actually have a room right now. I would love to have you right here right now. <laughs> but using her proprietary framework, the design life method, she helps her clients use their space as a source of power to help them achieve their personal and professional goals faster. Crystal shows women how to use their workspace as a 3D vision board to design. Crystal, I am so excited to share with you today and an organization and feng shui, all this fun conversation I we definitely are going to delve into today. So welcome to the show, Crystal. And tell me a little bit about yourself and share why 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 feng shui and interior design and becoming that clutter expert. What led you there? Um, I sort of think everything in my life, like my whole childhood led me there. I actually grew up in a, in a really abusive childhood. Um, I had a lot of um, being unwanted. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Um, but I was introduced to energy work. Well, just energy work when I was about nine and it really led me to sort of studying a lot of this stuff, all sorts of different topics. Um, but interior design was always just the thing that I did. It was just, um, it was how I expressed myself. It was how I, um, my own art, I guess, you know, that, that was just sort of my outlet. When I get angry, I'd rearrange things or clean my room or, you know, like that was just my expression of, of, of how to, you know, like put myself out there. And because I was, it was also my way of creating a safe space in, in, you know, where I was. Um, but eventually I, I, I found myself where I was <laughs> sort of hit rock bottom, right? I, I had had this big vision for my life of, of what I wanted, which was very different from what everybody else envisioned from me. But I got older and there was sort of like this day that I was just not happy with any part of my life. Um, I, I wasn't doing, I had nothing. I mean, I had my children and I was happy with them. But other than that, I hadn't, I didn't have a good relationship that I wanted or that I was happy with. I didn't have a job that I liked or a career or anything that I felt like I could be proud of myself. You know, like being proud of my kids is different than like, that's, not being proud of something that I did or I accomplished, you know, like I wasn't proud of me um, or anything about my life. Um, and I sort of hit this like major depression. <laughs> um, everything kind of blew up. And after about six months of sitting on the sofa in the same sweatpants day after day, watching trading spaces on television, because it made me happy. I finally was like, uh, you know, I, I need to, I need another job. I need something to to take care of these kids um, and to put food on the table and to pay the bills. And 
I had no idea what I wanted to do. And eventually I came up with the brilliant idea, like, oh, well, I'll be an interior designer. Like, I didn't even know that was a job before then. Like, it wasn't a thing that I knew was an option. Um, and I called around to several design firms and all of them were like, you need a degree, you know? Um, so I went to school to become an interior designer. But strangely enough, it was in my psychology class that we had to, we were, everyone in the class was assigned to write a psychology paper on something related to their field of study. Um, and it was like only one paper per person. So of course, immediately the psychology of color was like the first one taken by somebody. But for me, I was, um, I had heard of feng shui at that time. Like I didn't know a lot about it, but I knew it had to do with like energy, which checked the box for me. Cause that was a big thing. Uh, you know, I love that sort of stuff. Um, but I also knew it had to do with space and, um, and like the flow of energy in your space and all that. Uh, so I decided to write a paper about that, the psychology of feng shui and how it works in your space. So I kind of came at it from this whole different idea of, of what it is like, but it intrigued me, um, you know, after I'd written this paper. So I started trying to apply it to my life. I'd really been trying to apply some sort of what I will call a magical solution since I was nine and I learned about magic, right? At nine years old, I was trapped in an abusive household. And my only outlet in my mind was something magical, <laughs> like a miracle would have to happen to get me out of there. Otherwise, it was going to take another half of my lifetime <laughs> until I turned 18 and I could move out on my own, right? So for me, a magical solution was like always a thing that my brain operated on, like, whatever. If I wanted good luck for a job interview, light a candle, like do something for a magical solution, just as much as a mundane solution. It was very, in, I don't want to say inbred, but it was very driven into my brain from such a young age because I was trying so hard to find a way out. And I had studied it so hard, hoping for a solution. Um, and so reading about feng shui and studying like the psychology of it and understanding it's a relationship. Then I was like, well, I want to try to implement this and see, you know, if I can make it work for me because I'm still not happy with my life. You know, at this point in, in my life, I'm still, you know, I'm happy with school and I'm happy with things, but I still am just like, I want more, right? I want more. I want, I don't want to be in school. I want a job. I want a career. I want my own business. I want a husband that loves me that I like, I still was just in this phase of, I want more. I want the rest of the package. Um, and I started trying to implement it. And I read thousands of books. Like I literally would check out every book from the library and, you know, take home stack after stack. And there was so much confusion and so much back and forth. This book would say one thing, this book would say something else that I just couldn't get it. Like I couldn't quite grasp, how does it really work? Um, and I tried for a few years. Um, I finished school, I started my career, um, and it was actually a few years into my career, um, I had moved to Hawaii, and I was working at, at the time was really my dream job, <laughs> um, and I hadn't been there very long, um, and it was actually a project that had was mostly complete before I started. Um, it had been submitted to clients for a final approval on the design, um, and these clients happened to be in China, <laughs> they knew um, they were international clients from China and they looked at it and said the feng shui is wrong and sent it back and rejected the whole proposal from, right. So my boss had pulled our whole design team together 
and was begging for help. Like, who can help me with this feng shui? And I was the only person to like, you know, look around and be like, well, nobody, I, I know feng shui. And so I volunteered, you know, I, I, I suppose I was trying to, you know, look good, make, make a, make, not make a, make a name for myself, but, you know, be seen at, at you know, as, um, by my boss and be recognized for my contributions. <laughs> um, I think it's like, there's so, so I want to kind of go back to a little bit where you start at. And that is, and I talk about this often with the women that I coach and in our Shira league, our childhood, right. And how it shows up in our life. Um, it truly is like that little girl, we're just going to talk about little girls because they're both girls here. Right. But that, that inner child, little girl at nine years old was like, I need something magical because this life is not fun. As you said, right. I need to find something magical. And so oftentimes we forget that, that, that inner child is always there with us. We kind of like forget her or him, or we bury that child and just sort of not have the conversation as we get older with that child of, you know, Look what we've been through. This is, you know, to revisit where that child was at, where you brought that child through. And like you said, that ma that magical, like you were looking, still looking for that magic, right? As you were saying, and to find that that magical solution, you know, instead of sitting and watching uh, uh, trading spaces. I mean, I love trading. It was like you touched my heart. I love <laughs> so that much show. fun. I still watch everything to do with um, Ty. You know, I just watch the, the beach, the beach show they're doing, but Rock the Beach, whatever it's called. But you know, it's so important that we remember that, and for the listeners to remember that. Your inner child voice, they're always there with you. And if we don't do the work that we need to do for our inner child for healing, you know, it's it's that that stuff that we don't heal or we don't address is always going to be there. I, I remember in our Shira League, we try to do this inner child process with them. And they just, we had to stop. They just had these blocks up. I could not break the blocks. Some of them were like, well, I'm already addressed my inner child. I'm like, no, you haven't because this is still showing up in your life. This happens in your relationships. It's still from the relationships you had as a child. And so it's really, really important that for the listeners, you brought up a great point that and how what you did with your life is that, you know, you got off the couch, you you found something. And, and it's, I love too what you said. And it's a great example is to find something that gives you passion. That is that magic that you in your life, as you called it. And that you went down this path and how, how crazy is it that it ended up being feng shui and the way it all came about, right? And then here, here you are, you know, you're doing this job and now you've got this, those tools. So that magic pill that you worked on can now come forward into this, this career you're doing. And, you know, I, I think it's, I love how you said that because it affects all our relationships with ourselves. Like, and I, what you said too, as little girls, we always want that white picket fence, right? We want to have the house. We want to have the husband. And, you know, when we can't address the inner child and how that child felt at nine years old for you, it's going to affect those relationships and, and maybe keep you on the couch. And if you're a listener and you're sitting on the couch right now, because that's your, you've been struggling with, I just want, you know, it's okay. We're both two examples here that have done that. You know, my inner child, I was sexually abused as a child with a babysitter of my parents, good friends. And I never told anybody, never addressed it until it really showed up when I met my husband. It was, it showed up not the way I wanted to in other relationships that I had before I met my husband, but I went, met him. I knew he was the one. And I was like, I felt like, and some people that are listening to this and this could be a trigger, but I felt like it was sort of that dark secret that I was afraid to tell somebody. And I was so afraid to tell him 
because you know you never know how somebody's going to react and like my parents didn't know till a few years ago he was the first one that was close to me that i told and and that was such a healing moment for my for my inner child part of me is because it was acceptance he still accepted me that it wasn't my fault right and and so i i I love when you talk about, you know, I, I want to kind of talk into the declutter for a second, because what, what, what you do, you know, decluttering and feng shui, truly, I love when I have an organizer come in here, because when you really get down to it, and I, and I want to know, Crystal, if you see this, is that a lot of times our an organization is how we're feeling in our life is showing up in our organization. Like, I can tell you, my closet at one point was just chaos. And when I, my friend came over, she was like, you see, she pointed out, like, I, I knew it, but I, and as a coach, you know, I was just starting my coaching world. I knew it, but I didn't understand it. And she explained to me like, like Crystal, seriously, and I'm not even embarrassed to say this because there's somebody listening to this that's going to say, oh, I'm right there right now. You, you, I had a path to walk into my closet, like, and that was to get to my shoes and whatever I maybe wore everything else clothes wise was all on the floor. Right. And so I had a path and my husband had a path to get to his stuff around my stuff. <laughs> you know, so God bless him. We shared the same closet together. But she pointed out to me this. It was the chaos in my life that was causing chaos on on the floor in my closet, mm-hmm. you know. And so I so I love and then I never knew about feng shui. And so I was setting up my brick and mortar store and I had a neighbor that was very she's a very into feng shui at the time when she lived near me and she's like let me come set up your office i'm like what do you need to set it up for it's just a desk and she goes no 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 how you set it up brings energy and that's when i really started learning about energy and all that we're talking about today so i would love for us for you to kind of you know walk us through how how with what you've done has it changed the healing of your inner child how's that helped you with that and then also are you do you see do you do you see someone i'm talking about where they it's a um, you know, there's a, um, what's the word I want to say? There's um, a tie. I can't think of the word I want to use. I'm just going to say it's a tie between what's happening in our life and the clutter in our life. Yes. It's a, it's a, it's a reflection is what it is. The clutter is a, a, a reflection of inner clutter and inner baggage, um, which is why I always, when I work with clients, we, we do, we declutter both physical and the mental and emotional clutter because the physical clutter is just a reflection of the mental and emotional clutter. And that's why if we don't address it, um, up front, uh, they'll just repeat the clutter. That's why if you just come in like hoarders situations or um, like when people have someone else come in and just clean it all out for them and they don't actually go through the process of decluttering the inner stuff with it um, because the outer stuff is just is just a reflection and a mirror of that. Um, and so when you don't declutter, like I said, the inner stuff. You're just going to keep buying the same outer stuff over and over again. You can get rid of it. And within a matter of weeks, you'll just have it back again or, you know, months. It doesn't take that long. Uh, and I'm sure everyone has seen that happen. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think I lost the question. I have an alarm going off over here that I can't get, so, get to it. I'm like, what is this going off? But I'm no, no, sorry. You're, you're, you're good. No, so you, I mean, you're right. It is a reflection. That was a word. Thank you. That was the word I was looking for. Mm-hmm. It is a reflection of our life. And, and I will tell you, like, I, you know, a year, it'll be a year this July that we lost our son um, in a tragic car accident. And, you know, 
the first, I mean, the whole, the grief journey is just, it's so different for everybody, but I know like it in the beginning of August, August 2nd is where we laid them the rest. And then like everybody was leaving. And then my mother left in the middle of August to go home. And, and then that, that quietness of it's just us here and, you know, expecting to come in the door. I started finding myself going back down to habits that I had that were declut that were cluttering up my thoughts and then they were in my feelings and then they because I didn't know how to address them it was something new yeah I'm a coach and I was using the tools of my you know journaling and things like that but this was an area that was new to me and so I started to see other areas of my life my home everything like showing up in that reflection of that that messiness that unsure how to move forward you know kind of being stuck on this this what do I do now and so I took the step to say, I need to do something for me first. I literally called my business coach. I'm like, I don't, I, I can't be here because I feel like I'm stuck and I can't get back into my business. So she's like, get up here. And literally that was a first step for me, like to declutter what was happening in my brain and be able to go and start releasing. So when I came back home, the things that were kind of stuck around the house, I was able to start addressing them again. And um, so I, I, I love that we're talking about this, that, that it is truly a reflection of, of our outside world of how our inside is feeling, you know, our inside thoughts and our inside acceptance and not acceptance and things like that. Um, so when you when you do help, because um, when you, you you said this is something you do. So when you do sit down with your clients and you start addressing that, what's your approach you take with that? Like, because everybody's different in how they receive that information, right? What if somebody is sort of blocked to understanding that the clutter is a reflection of how they're feeling? How do you help them get through that? Well, I have a whole process um, that I have figured out over the years that um, is sort of how I do things. Or maybe I've sort of developed it that way. When I first started working with clients, right, when I first, after I had this one initial client at this job, you know, I... I went back to school to actually study feng shui and to understand how to do it the right way. Um, because that taking that one client brought up so much triggers for me. Like I was like, I don't really know if I'm doing this. Like I had all this imposter syndrome that was going on. So I studied it. And of course, after I studied it, then I was like, I need a whole bunch of clients to practice on. Um, and so I'd started working with about 20 to 30 different clients and all of them, the same thing would happen. I would start talking to them about the Shah in their space and trying to get things into alignment and, you know, talking about, you know, if we're going to feng shui your space because we want to create an environment that will, at the time I was working with women who wanted to create love in their life, right? They wanted, you know, they were divorced or widowed or what have you when they were looking for to find love again. And so I, I was trying to talk to them about, you know, like if we want to make room for a new partner, for a new love interest in your life, like we need to get rid of some of the stuff that is stopping that. And they would all just be stuck. And like, I can't, like, I can't get rid of this thing or I can't get rid of that thing. And that was sort of where it started for me, like, it, because it really started, like, it was very reminiscent of everything I had learned about the psychology part of clutter, or I mean, about the psychology of feng shui. And then here it was like in my face. And so just sort of with my own, I just sort of coached them. Like it was very instinctive for me, right? To just be coaching them as they would talk about things and just sort of work my way through it. But after a few years of doing this, when I hired a business coach myself and she was like, you know, what is it that, you know, you do different? What do you do different from other people? And I had to really sit down and like, think about it and start looking at it. And I was like, well, 
I definitely do this different, you know, because I think there's five steps to decluttering. And most people think there's just two, like discern, here's clutter. This is clutter. This is not clutter. Like get rid of the clutter, keep the not clutter, which is true. But, you know, it's not as simple as just find it and get rid of it. There's a whole process that actually helps with the healing process. That is the healing process in going through these steps of, you know, diagnosing the clutter. Um, You know, like, is it worthiness clutter or is it scarcity clutter? Maybe it's obligation clutter. Maybe it's a different, you know, type of thing. There's all sorts of different types of clutter. And then disconnecting from that relationship so that you can dissolve it um, and, and move on and heal, right? That's, you've got to deal with the internal baggage and that sort of process of, of going through that um, internally. But it's, it was something that I had to experience too, right? When I first started coaching clients, it was very, like I said, instinctive for me because I've been coaching people around clutter since, since I was a teenager. And um, my stepmom, the woman who introduced me to all of this, she passed away when I was 16. And my dad, when was really stuck and couldn't get rid of any of her stuff. Um, and I had to help him go through that process of, of letting go um, and, and going through all of her stuff um, two years later when I was 18. But I just, but when I got hurt, um, I it was shortly after I started working with all these clients, like I was like, all right, I'm going to make a whole business out of this. Like I've always wanted to empower women. I think that was part of the the ramifications of studying, you know, magic and witchcraft. And then you lead into the history of it. And then all of a sudden, now I'm looking at the oppression of women and the rise of white supremacy, like all of these things that I have learned or studied over just out of interest. And so for me, empowering women was kind of a thing. Um, And then I got, I was like, I will start a whole business around this. And then I got hurt, (laughs) you know, because I still had a full-time job, right? Business was still part-time. I was in the transition stage of trying to, you know, replace my income so that I could move over. And I actually got hurt at at my job. Um, And then I had to go through the process. I, I, all of a sudden in about a year and a half, couldn't walk, right? I couldn't, um, my body deteriorated drastically. Um, and I started getting all this clutter, (laughs) right? Clutter that I couldn't deal with. Um, and all of a sudden it was, that was really where I started to see the difference. Like, because I was like, when I finally, about a year later was able to, again, like, all right, I need to, I need to do something about this. Um, everything that I had, all that time that I had spent with those other clients and coaching them. Now, all of a sudden I was like, all right, now I got to coach me. And so if I hadn't had them, I wouldn't have been able to like coach me through the process. And that was where all of a sudden I really saw like the power of, of it all, because I had spent 10 years doing one thing after another to, for therapy, to try to overcome, you know, my childhood to try to, um, because I had tried to talk, I had tried to tell, um, someone, you know, that my parents were abusive and, and sort of everything. And my, my father, they had a big city battle. Um, and they took me to a psychiatrist, um, and told them that I wouldn't stop lying about being abused. So of course, every time I told the psychiatrist that I was being abused, by my mom's Bible thumping pedophile boyfriend, um, then turned husband, 
they would talk to me about lying and how I should, I was like a, his, his, uh, his, he compared me to a wild horse that had been captured and was now corralled and wouldn't, was staring at the fence over at the mountains and longing to be free again. And how the horse would die there if they didn't like settle into being broken to the saddle and how happy life would be for those horses if they just would settle into the saddle. And I'm like, I'm nine years old and I'm looking at this grown ass man. Like, are you crazy? Like, I'm not, I'm not a horse to be broken to a saddle by another grown ass man. Like, no, this is not how this works. Um, so therapy was not safe for me. So I had looked for, for 10 years. I had tried so many different experiences, different, um, like, no, I can't think of the word that I want. (laughs) Um, you know, different opportunities to try to heal. Um, and so I had had a whole decade of tools, right. That I had garnered to, to try to, um, to try to work on that. And it all came down to this whole process. Um, I feng shui my space to, you know, to try to create a, a healing space. And I started with my system, right. Decluttering, right. To start with that and going through this process. And that was really where, um, I really, uh, went all in on the process, like cried it out, screamed it out, you know, had to get, cause it's in your body. That was really where I started learning that that little girl and every experience from birth is still trapped in my body. And all of those have to come out. All of those have to be decluttered. And so I, that was really where I started. Um, it started transforming how I worked with clients, like how I work with space and how I really look at it and, and, and use it as a tool because it is a mirror. It's a current, it's an absolute mirror for what is today, what is right now and what needs to be worked on. And since, um, I mean, the whole job of therapy anyway, is just to be a guide to help you process, right? So if you can just look around your space and that's your own, right. It's your own therapy. It's right there in in your space, like, oh, this is what's going on with me right now, uh, because I can tell, because this is where I am. If my barometer were different, right? If my space were different, that would mean I was different, right? Because it's it's always current. And so it became this tool for me to be able to see, like, where's my barometer set to? Like, is it set to success? Is it set to failure? And how do I move it from one place to the other so that we can, you know, declutter all of that baggage? And let all of what that little girl had to say be heard. Um, she had I, a lot. Yeah, she. Oh, yeah, she definitely. I love too because, as we said, you have to address everything she's had a lot of. But I like how you take the approach of because you're right. Sometimes people come in and go cluttered, not cluttered, just like you said. But understanding the wordiness clutter, the the uh, the right. clutter. I don't I, think a lot of people define clutter correctly. No, I, I, when you said that, I was like, gosh, that's so true. We don't define it correctly. We don't define, it's sort of like I've had clients come in and go, well, I want to work with you. Um, and I'm like, okay, well, I see you've worked with a coach before. You know, what's so different about coming to me? And they're like, well, I saw them, you know, and like you said, your coach asked you, you know, I, what, what about why are you different? For me, I'm honest. You know, I will tell my clients, you could come to my house right now and, and see a room that's a mess right now, you know, but do I, am I letting it define me? Not in every part of my life, but part of my life, it's showing up, you know? And so, like you said, it's like that 
what is that clutter from? The worthiness, the, you know, the talk that we're putting in our head, you know, and I love that you're right. We don't identify that. So my clients will be, you know, oftentimes the ones that, that I'm working with that's been with another coach. They'll say, well, because the coach I was working with, they said they did everything exactly as they're coaching me. But when I see them doing this or that online or whatever, I'm like, well, you're good to make a decision not to be with that coach anymore because, you know, life's not perfect. I mean, we, every day is not perfect just because you're a life coach, just because you organize, you know, everything's not perfect. Just it's life is life. And if we can, if we can be real with that, then all the better. And if we can address that, like you said, to break that emotion down, why that clutter is there is so powerful because like, if it's messy, well, what in your life is messy right now, right? Like what's unorganized? Your space is very personal. Your space is very personal. And it's funny because I can remember having that argument with my mom all the way back from the time I was a child, right? And she would be screaming about cleaning my room. And my argument was always like, it's my room. Like this is my private space. Even as I got to be older and into like a teenager and adulthood and it got to be a bigger fight and, you know, she would want to argue about like, well, someday somebody's going to be in my room. And, you know, my thought is they are, they don't care about how messy my room is. My room is my room. Like my living room is, is for public space and that is different. Like, but they were very much about creating the facade. And when you look at your home as just a facade and it, it becomes a place where you have to hide. then there's no safe space. Your home is your castle. Your home is your sanctuary. Your home is the one place you should be able to take off all your masks and strip bare and be safe. And if you can't do that there, then the question is why? Because you're not willing to face something. Um, And until you do, you're just going to stay stuck right where you are. Yeah. And that's, it's interesting, you know, as you say that right now we're going through, um, my mom's going to be moving in with us. And that's one of the things um, she's having an issue with her sodium right now. It's dropping really low. And, um, and she's been diagnosed with depression before. And like her big thing right now, the reason why her sodium's dropping is because she's not eating. She has what's called a tea and toast syndrome, which basically is a form of malnourishment in the elderly because all she's drinking is tea and she might be eating toast during the day, right? So they, you know, I, I brought her from California on Memorial Day. Like literally I hopped on a plane within three hours here in Florida and was on a plane out to California in 24 hours. Well, 36 with everything, I've got her back here. And she's back in the hospital right now because the sodium dropped again on us, even though she's been eating. And so the first thing he asked me, well, why does she eat? I'm like, I don't know, because we don't live there. You know, she's wanted her independence. We've allowed it to happen, but it's no longer going to happen. And so he he asked, has she been diagnosed with depression? I'm like, yeah, he goes, that's part of it. Nobody, what is she doing to address the depression? And I sit there going, I've asked this for years. You know, I've told her for years, we've got to address this. We've got to address this depression. But she's like, oh, you know, and again, like you and I were talking before we came on here, a doctor's just prescribing medicine to help her with the depression. It's like, no, we have to talk about just like what you do with the declutter. We have to declutter what is what is bringing up this depression for you so that you can move forward and you can enjoy your life and not sit in the same chair all the time, you know? Right. And I know let's, it's- let's stop treating the symptoms and start treating the cause. Right. Yeah. And so I literally looked at her. I said, well, I'm glad you're going to be here with me because we're going to address all this. We're going to, I'm going to get you to people that you can talk to about these things, you know? And so, um, so what you're doing, like what you're saying too, that's a prime example with our life and our, our, our clutter and, and all of that. I, I just, I love what you're doing because I think, I know it's such an important job. It's such an important thing that we need in our lives. It's, it reminds you too of like, 
Because as we've been saying, what we have in our head is showing up as a reflection in our life. And it reminds me too how I, you know, I talk with my clients about, you know, they're like the whole Shiro, you know, what's called the Shiro method. And so it's a four month roadmap to becoming the person you want to be, to overcome people pleasing, to show up for yourself, to go after your goals and visions, be empowered to be the person you have always, that little girl wanted to be inside, but you're just not helping her come out again. And so one of the things we talk about is turn off that negative, turn on the positive, but we have to get rid of what's in front of our brain telling us all the things that are negative about our life. And so yeah, as- It's very yeah, deep work. That yeah, takes very deep internal decluttering. <laughs> so, and so we really spend the first like, I say 30 days to six weeks working on decluttering and shredding that first, that front level area of our brain, and then getting into the back, the back of the file cabinets that are there telling us that we're worthy. Why, where you been little girl? I want you to, you know, let's go do this stuff, you know? And so I think it's, I think it's powerful. And I love what you're sharing. I want to kind of shift this a little bit, Crystal. Mm-hmm. I, first of all, I, I love talking to you on here about self-care and we're talking about clutter, you know, the clutter and things and being a reflection of our life. And I really believe too, how we take care of self is also show, is a huge reflection in the life and the declutter that then the clutter that's happening in our life. So mm-hmm. Crystal, tell us for you, what are some of the, and, and you know, you said something earlier um, about things that make us happy and it reminded me, so when we work on the Shiro method, we do that roadmap. One of the first pieces that we do to help start shredding the negative is talk about what brings you joy, right? So what in your life brings you joy? And so I make them do a list of 10 things that bring them joy. And you said it earlier, our kids bring us joy, but it's like truly what is your joy, right? I hope everybody has children, their kids bring them joy. I say that all the time. I mean, I have two boys, my son who is forever 25, my younger son, Nate, who's 23. Both of them brought me joy in totally different ways, different meanings and different, um, different things that they did. But like, I would love, Crystal, for you to share with us, what are the top three things that bring you joy? And then tell us why. What about those things? Why do they bring you joy? Oh, goodness. Um, God, only three? <laughs> I don't know if I can list only just three. Um, I Definitely working with my clients brings me joy because I get to see their transformation. Um, and I get to be with them for it. Um, I get to hold their hand through the process and, um, and show them where, um, where they're already succeeding. Like that's such a wonderful process of, of being that person who gets to facilitate, um, this process and teach them. uh, It's just, there's nothing like it in the world. Um, my kids and my grandkids bring me joy. Again, there's nothing like that in the whole world. Um, but mother nature just being connected to, um, everything, right? The whole law of oneness, right? Being connected to this planet and every being on it, um, is kind of a thing. Um, so for me, that is either being in nature and also really connecting to my own body, right? I, I do yoga religiously. Um, it is a religion for me. I do yoga daily um, for several hours every day, first thing in the morning um, to connect, to connect with my body, to connect with my space, to connect with the planet, the universal energy, whatever it is that you want to call it. To me, that's a huge um 
huge part of my life. It's probably the thing that brings me the most joy is just being able to connect with myself. There's a very deep, um, a deep sense of love and trust and, um, respect. And I don't even know all of the words that I have developed, um, because of that, um, for myself, actually loving me, the person, like me, the little girl, me, the grown up, me, the teenager, me, all of the parts of me, um, and really being able to, uh, trust myself and believe in myself and cheer for myself. And, you know, like, um, that's been a huge part of it. Um, and so, yeah, those are probably the big things. So I love the part about your clients because you're right. You're changing lives. You're empowering them. That's for me too. That's part of why I love to do what I do as well is that when you get to watch them understand, especially for you, their clutter and understand why it's a reflection, how it's reflecting in their life. I think, like you said, it's so powerful. And your grandkids, and I know you and I spoke before we came on today, and the art behind you, that little character is from one of your, if I remember right, it's one of your grandchildren, right? Um, I did, I bought it for, um, for my grandson. Um, when I first bought it, I thought the plant was fake. Um, and so I bought it thinking this would be so cute for him to have this little thing. Um, and we were traveling at that time, so I didn't see him right away. <laughs> and, um, over a little bit of time, I discovered the plant was actually alive. <laughs> About the time I killed it is when I realized it was <laughs> alive. <laughs> and I was like, oh, whoops, like this is, no, he was three at the time. He's five now. But I was like, you yeah, know, a three-year-old, it, it can't, I can't even take care of this plant. Like he certainly can't. So it ended up becoming mine and he got some new hair. Um <laughs> But yes, I, I zoom with my grandson on the computer sometimes too. And he loves Mike. That's Mike. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> and, yeah. and I love too when you said the third one about the yoga and, the, and being grounded, because we do, we need, we really need to be grounded in who we are and have that, you know, that source of energy, like you said, wherever everybody believes it comes from, but there is an energy, energy source and we don't tap into it. You know, I've got a client who it's like always things happen to me. And I'm like, until you change that word, the things are always going to happen to you. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, why are you not saying positive things happen to you and asking yourself what positive things are going to happen for me today? So therefore you're planting in your brain, you're looking for it today instead of always looking for the negative, you know? Um, I'm like, Cause I was like, listen, I could have certainly just said, forget everything I'm doing right here now, forget conversations of pro, forget my business and gone in bed and cry the rest of my life. And everybody was like, that's, it's okay. She's just grieving the loss of her son. But for me, and you know, I know there's listeners on here that are probably in that stage of their grief. And I would encourage you to reach out to somebody for help because I really believe, you know, my son, Matt and my son, Nate, see me and saw me living my life, putting my cape on first, wrapping myself as tight. And then whatever extra I had, I gave to everybody else. And it wasn't easy to do because I was a people pleaser. I said yes to everything and everybody. And so when, when I lost my son, I was like, why am I going to live my life differently? Just because he's not here. I still have my husband. I still have my son, Nate. I still have this amazing opportunity to empower women to stop people pleasing, to get up and do something today. Cause now even more, I have proof life doesn't, doesn't last forever. Right. So, you know, I'm a walking testament to that. So I, I agree with you, like being grounded, finding something that gives you good energy and that brings you that joy as Crystal said, is so, so powerful. And so now I'm going to do a little bit 
dig her deeper with you. Dig deeper with you. I should say dig her deeper. Um, so if there's any English teachers on here, don't listen to us today. <laughs> <laughs> We've been all over the place. But so when I work with my clients and we walk through the Shiro method, and it, like I said, it's this four month roadmap of really finding out who you are and what, what drives you, what empowers you and brings you radiance. One of the things we talk about in our life all the time, we have a to-do list. I need to declutter my closet. I need to get better organized. We have all these to-do lists. I need to go grocery shopping, get the kids here. So I'm going to ask you about a not to-do list. And so when I work with my clients, they have to create me. They've done their joy. Now they're going to give me their not to-do list. So what I mean by that is what's on your not to-do list that you need to stop doing because it doesn't allow you to have the joy in your life you want to have. So if you had to pick three things that you need to stop doing today, what would those not to do lists be on there? Oh, <laughs> that's probably even harder since I I think I've done a lot of this. I stopped doing things that I don't that don't serve me. Right? I stopped being a people pleaser a long time ago. I stopped caring about what other people think and worrying about their opinions. Um, I just um, I. I don't know if I have anything left. <laughs> so, for the, so, so for the listeners who are listening today, what are some of the things based on like what you do with your clients, what would you say would be two other things that you would suggest they maybe look at stop doing so they can keep, um, so that their reflection of their life is more positive? Um, stop putting yourself last. Um, that was a big one for me, right? Stop putting myself last. Um, Stop trying to prove myself. That was another big one for me. I, I had to stop proving myself. Um, or at least I had to realize that I didn't have anything to prove. Like, I don't have to prove shit to anyone. Like, stop thinking you have to prove anything to anybody. Because you don't. Those were big ones for me. I, I think those were probably the biggest ones. Yeah, stop proving it. It's so true. Like, you know, I have a relative who said to me just recently, well, you think you're, you know, all these things you do on Conversations of Pearl and all this coaching you do, and like, you should just stop doing those kinds of things. Like, no, don't stop. I'm changing people's lives. I have clients who, who had a conversation with their spouse because their spouse wanted a certain car, but they're going to be driving it. So they want to know, how do I tell my spouse, I don't want to drive that car you want to give me. That's not the car I want. Or they wanted a piece of furniture, but their spouse didn't understand, well, why do we need this furniture? Because we already have this, right? So right. when I work with women, I help them ha learn to have that conversation. And then yeah. also in doing that work too, is to learn to have the conversation with my clients that say, let's understand how that person on their side feels. Because maybe it's not that they don't want you to have the furniture. Maybe it's about the cost, right? And maybe it's about you want this thing or they want that kind. Maybe how do we merge it together, you know? And so, yeah, stop listening to other people think and what they're saying. That's a really powerful one. And stop saying you're not worthy, you know, stop the people pleasing as well. Those are powerful. So I, I love that you played along with me. I really appreciate you played along with me on that one. So one well, of the things- stop, stop carrying other people's garbage. Oh, girlfriend, stop carrying other people's garbage. Do you guys hear That's that one? Because what you were just saying about, you know, they won't let me buy the furniture or they won't let me buy this thing. The bigger, the other side of that, that I see a lot with my clients is, oh, I can't get rid of that because 
my mom will get mad or my husband won't let me or I've got to hold on to this whole storage unit full of crap for my kids who are 30 and married and have their own house. Oh my and it's gosh, like, I have to tell you a funny stop story. Stop holding on to other people's crap. That is so true. That my mom. So, oh my gosh, you're gonna you're gonna die. So when we we downsized almost two years ago, we downsized from 4,400 square feet down to about 27, 3,000 square feet. And so I had we had 30 <laughs> days to pack up our house to move. I was having this big yard sale, and my mom, I love her to death, but she stalks me on Facebook. She doesn't come in and <laughs> see what I'm doing. So I had posted all the stuff I'm selling on Facebook. And I had this rocking chair she gave me when my son was, my first son was born. And so he was almost 23 years old, right? So here's this rocking chair I post on Facebook. She calls me. You can't get rid of that. You can't get rid of that. I'm like, get rid of what? What do you, like, I literally didn't know she, that rocking chair. I'm like, what rocking chair? The one you have for sale. I'm like, oh my God. She, that's when I realized she's stalking me on Facebook. I said, ma, what am I going to do with this rocking chair? Like, seriously, what am I going to do with this rocking chair? Right? And she's like, well, you have to, You, I gave it to you for the boys. I'm like, I have two boys. Which boy do you want me to give it to? You want me to break it in half? She's like, why are you doing that? I go, because my boys are boys. They're going to marry girls. They're not going to want this 30-some-year-old rocking chair when, trust me, mom, the rocking chairs are much better today than the one I have sitting here, you know? And I said, they're going to want their design and stuff, right? And you're so right. And then when my son Matthew passed, I had, for, so for the boys, when I was going through decluttering their stuff, I kept like one or maybe two crates of like their favorite stuffed animals that they loved and that they had a little bit of mem memorabilia to it. And I kept it with the goal that when they, when they got married and had kids, I would say, here, here's what I kept for you in case you want any of it. Do what you want. I don't need it, but I just kept it in, in case, you know, cause I know sometimes mm -hmm. those are, you know, and so when we we're going through, when my son passed, I told his girlfriend, um, I said, Brittany, let's go through it in case there's anything you want for Evie. We'll donate and we'll give to a family that might want some of these. So we had some things that were left over. Now, mind you, we're trying to sell, get my mom to move in with one of us. So the last thing I would do is give her all this crates of stuffed animals, right? So I had, <laughs> we're, so we're, we're at dinner and I show my younger son and his girlfriend that's having dinner with us and my mom and my husband and I, and I'm showing my son, hey, I have these um, things of your brothers. I don't know if you want them. I can set them aside. Let me know. One was like a Barney doll. One was a uh, stuffed animal. One was a Scooby stuffed animal or something. I can't remember what the other one was. Oh, cat, cat in the hat, big stuffed animal. And my mom goes, you can't sell those. I'm like, why? And I, she's like, well, I want, I go, I gave you your box stuff. I gave you, I gave her a box of little things from my son that I knew she'd probably want. They weren't going to take up a lot of space at home. And she's like, you can't sell those. I want those. And my husband didn't understand at first why I was like, I don't want her to have these. And so it was the next weekend when we were going to do something. And she was like, she walks into my room. She goes, you're not selling those. You're giving those to me. You have to get over it. And I looked at her. I said, yeah, no, I don't have to get over it. These are, these are, I'm doing what I want to do with them. And the one thing she said too was but that when she dies, then I can decide what I want to do with it. And I had explained to her, the emotion for me. I'm like, mom, these are very dear to Matthew. These were his favorites. I'm either going to sell them or give them to somebody. I've given you what I want you to have. But for you to say that when you pass, I can then deal with it would be like ripping the bandaid again for the loss of my son. And I'm not going to do that. Once the scab heals, yes, I'm going to pick at the scab probably a little bit over my lifetime, but I don't want to rip the scab open and go there again. You know, and she still, she didn't understand it, but you're so right because we do, my mother has all kinds, my mother has stuff from my grandmother who passed away over 20 years ago. 
And so, you know, so you are so right what you said. It's like so, so true. <laughs> so it's, true. It's insidious. It's very yeah. insidious. Um, uh, obligation clutter is is one of the worst um, and one of the most insidious um, because it always has to deal with other people. Right. right. And so those are always conversations, hard yeah. conversations um, that require some handholding and some right. support and, and a different perspective. Yes. yes. Right? Because if nobody gives you a different perspective, you're just going to hold on to it because it's what's expected, yeah. especially, especially for those of us that were raised in like super religious households. Like my parents are, are zealous. My whole family is that way. Um, and so they very much force feed these rules uh, to their children um, about, you know, respecting their parents. Um, I actually think that's bullshit. Um, I actually think it should go the other way. Oh, I'm so um, on there. Yeah, I totally and, agree with that statement. Um, but yeah, it's sometimes they're very hard conversations to be had around this is my space and right. you don't get to own my space. Yeah. And you know, that's so true, Crystal, because I remember, you know, um, a, a conversation one time with my mom and we were having a, a, a challenge um, after her and my dad divorced. And, and so she couldn't understand how I had some boundaries over relationships with her and my dad. And she's like, I'm your mother. You have to respect me. You have to do what I say. And I was like, mom, we're 20 years apart. You're my mom. I love you. I respect you, but I'm also a woman. And so you're going to have to learn to respect me. You have to learn that I also have opinions and I have thoughts and, you know, and just because you're my mom doesn't mean it says so, right? It doesn't mean it's fact. It has to be that way. So that's, that's, it's so, that's so, so true. And um, yeah, this has been fun conversation, but like you said, <laughs> obligation, obligation clutter. And we're getting ready to do that because we, she's moving in with us. So in August, we're cleaning out her house and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of obligation clutter <laughs> we're going to be going through. <laughs> I kind of given her a limit to what she can have. Listen, I'm looking at the clock and oh my gosh, this time has flown by. So I want to do a couple of things. First of all, tell everybody how they can find you, Crystal. Um, well, you can find me online. I mean, I'm on social media. Um, I'm on YouTube mostly. So definitely come find me on YouTube. Um, and other than that, I'm just mostly in your email. <laughs> I hang out a lot of time in dealing with just emails and talking to people in their in their inbox. Awesome. Um, and I have a free gift for your audience. Yeah. We've been talking a lot about clutter. And so I would like to give them my five-step decluttering method. They can download it at declutteryourmindset.com. Um, and it is all five steps to decluttering the physical, mental, and emotional clutter that keeps you stuck. Um, it'll also put you on my email list. So, um, and I do spend a lot of time there. That's where you get to see me, the real me. I talk about, um, designing a life you love and all that goes with it. I share a lot of funny stories and all every bit of my personality to just, um, bring it to life. So. I'm hanging out. Love it. Well, and we'll make sure all that is in the show notes so everybody can download that. So if you're driving, don't feel like, oh my gosh, can she repeat that? You're going to have it. No worries. Um, I also want to be um, to thank you for being on today. And before we go, um, we have these things called Better Questions, Better Life. So Crystal, I'm going to shuffle them and I'm, you tell me when to stop and I'm going to ask you what's on the back of the card. So here we go. Okay. Tell me when to stop. Stop. All right. So the question we have for you is, are you stretching yourself? <laughs> 
absolutely. In every way possible. I stretch my physical body for at least two hours a day. Um, I stretch my mind regularly um, with learning new things. Um, I'm currently learning ASL. Um, and, you know, I, I work on stretching the rest of me too, right? Stretching my impact, my relationships, meeting new people, making new friends. Um, so yes, definitely I stretch. <laughs> I love that. That is so, so cool. Uh, that's, uh, you know, we, I think we always need to find ways that we're stretching ourselves. I think it helps us to grow as well as reconnect with ourselves as, as in addition to that. So I just want to remind our listeners, you have been listening to Conversations with Pearl. Uh, you can find us on YouTube underneath Conversations with Pearl. Go and like, subscribe to us. Um, we are all over social media underneath Pearl Sharenza. That's with a C. And then if you want to know more about the Shiro method, and I want to remind you what Shiro means. Shiro means you are becoming stronger. You're becoming happier. You're becoming empowered. You're becoming radiant. You're glowing up in who you're about to launch. And you're becoming that original self because you are brought into this world as an original DNA, but we're going to work on helping you grow that into the Shiro that you're meant to be. So if you're struggling with that, just um, follow all the links to contact me, or you can also email me at hello at wsliving.com. That's hello at wsliving.com. And we will and just put the word Shiro in the subject and we'll connect you. And I just want to remind everybody that as you come into this world, you are a little rough oyster on the outside. There's a lot of work that we have to work through in our Shiro method. As we do that, you start finding that inner pearl within. So I hope you go out today and I find, hope you find your inner pearl of greatness. Make it an amazing day. Hey, this is Pearl, and I am coming on today because you've been listening to me for a little while, but I wanted to really explain to you what a Shiro is. You hear me talk about on the radio show and the podcast often about what is a Shiro. And what I want you to know is a Shiro is you. You are listening today and you are a Shiro. But what do I mean you're a Shiro? So a Shiro is somebody who is strong. You are, you have so much strength and maybe you don't know it. Maybe you're not seeing it inside yourself and you need help tapping into that. And that's what I love to help women do is to find your strength within and help you pour it out of yourself, help you become the strong person you are. And H stands for happy. You know, we all want to be happy. But sometimes finding the roadmap to happiness isn't easy. And so sometimes we have to help make that deep dive into answering heartful, soulful questions about what does it really mean to be happy? What brings me joy? What do I need to say no to so that I can become the person I want to be and the strong person I want to be that's also happy? And then empowered. You are empowered just by listening to this podcast that we do or the radio show to be the person that you are meant to be, that person inside, that little girl that's inside just waiting to come out. We want to empower you through our Shiro method to become that strong, happy, empowered person that you are. But it's not an easy step. So, you know, we have to cut through the fluff and the excuses and the drama and the mess so we can make that progress. Because as we start making the progress, then what happens is you start seeing the radiant you. 
you start arriving at the level that you've created, that divine roadmap, where you're finally starting to live intentionally. And as you live intentionally, then you realize your strength really is powerful, that your happiness is meaningful, and that you are empowered to pay it forward to others, to do the things you want to do without guilt, because you deserve it, and because your radiance is showing. And then as you work through that progress, then what happens is you become your original self. You become that authentic you that you're supposed to be. Like you've done that deep soulful work and you've, you're starting to make that path of satisfaction and that happiness you've been craving. And so you start laying down the foundation of your success. When you wake up in the morning, you find yourself looking in the mirror and realizing that you don't recognize your old self anymore, that you you see yourself reflected everywhere in your stride, your relationships, your career, and even your hobbies. So as you align your outward trajectory with that inward path, you start gaining that clarity and that confidence and courage to focus and follow your internal direction. So really, that's what a shiro is. And it's not easy to get there, right? We need to learn the steps to become that true shiro, to tap into those superpowers that you have within. And that's why we have what's called our Shiro League. And if you want to join a community of women that are working on exactly these things that we're talking about, that are becoming strong, that are happy, that are empowered, that are radiant and original, that want to tap into things that bring them joy and say no to the things that don't let them enjoy the things that they want to do. We meet every Sunday evening from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern time on Zoom. No makeup. If you want makeup, you can, but just come in to be your radiant self, to be that original person you are. Because really, as you look at your biggest sources of stress, we want to help you with our our Shiro League and our Shiro Method to help you listen to that internal compass so you can start decluttering your distractions and really identify what's really missing in your life. Like what brings you joy and what we're not talking foo-foo feeling stuff. Like really what fills your cup? What makes you so happy to put your cape on first? And as we do that and you become that sure you're meant to be, then what happens is you are radiant. You have created an opportunity to release what you need to say no to so that you can start fulfilling your purpose. So you can start stepping out of your comfort zone and really into what brings your joy. And our Shiro Method Roadmap is that crucial step of helping you to live the life you want to be, to be that Shiro you want to be, to tap into what it is you deserve to do, what it is you've been desiring to do. And listen, if you're a mom and you've got kids and you're a working mom outside the house, you're not all about the mom title. You are Pearl. You are Sue. You are Jacqueline. You are Stella. You are somebody that matters and somebody that has goals and visions that deserves to create that divine roadmap so that you finally begin and, like I said, live your life intentionally. So if you're ready to do that and you want some help with that, I would love to invite you to a free call with me. Just let's talk about where you're at, how you get to where you want to go. What are your goals? What brings you joy? What do you need to say no to? And I would love to help you peel back those layers so that you can arrive at the real answers so that we can cut away the fluff and the excuses and the drama 
and help you make that real progress. Because we're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised the next 30 seconds. And if you are here and you're listening, then you know that we are about putting ourselves first. We're about putting that cape on first. We're about finding your true authentic self and learning how to overcome people-pleasing and start tapping into your superpowers. Because as you tap into your superpowers, you then can take care of those you love, the things you love to do, even better than what you're doing today. Because when you put yourself first, you can become the sure that you're meant to be. And your superpowers will help even take care of your family and your loved ones to a much bigger success than you're already doing. So if you're ready to tap into your superpowers and ready to find out how to become your true Shiro, I want you to email me Shiro at pearl at wsliving.com. That's Shiro at pearl at wsliving.com. And I would love to help you become the Shiro of your life.